There's one thing I keep coming back to. One quality that Mario Cristobal needs to find in his next offensive coordinator. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So what I keep coming back to, folks, and I'm going to bring on our special guest for this episode, who I always say he needs no introduction, but I <laughs> give him one anyway. I still I still give him one. The legend, Larry Bluestein, South Florida High School Sports, 560 WQAM, the sixth ring cane. So Blue... You know, and you know Mario very well. Um, you know him a lot better than I do. Right. Uh, and but every everyone that I talk to who's close to Mario, everything that I read, everything that I hear about the offensive coordinator search, and it's being kept very close to the vest. Uh, I feel like the number one trait that Mario looks for from a play caller is balance. Someone who has successful balance, and it's unfortunate that I, I think maybe the best candidate for that is Jason Candle, who I, I don't expect to come here because he just signed that new deal with Toledo. And I know Mario likes him and went after him last year because if you look at Jason Candle's offenses in Toledo, it's like perfect balance between the run and the pass. So uh, do you agree that that's probably a big thing that Cristobal is looking here for the next coordinator? He doesn't want an air raid. You know, he wants to find balance. Well, that's one of the things. I also think that he wants a coordinator that's going to be receptive uh, to what his position coaches tell him. And uh, certainly Gaddis wasn't. And uh, that, to me, you can't come in here and, and uh, control the entire deal without getting input uh, from your offensive line coach who uh, has been around or, or your quarterback coach who you've got to work closely with or receivers or running backs or fields at tight end. You've got to be receptive when you're sitting in meetings to, to listen to what these coaches have to say, whether you agree with it or not, but you have to listen and you can't act like, you know, what I say is going to go. Now your ultimate decision is going to be made uh, by the offensive coordinator like it was last year, but you have to be able to embrace uh, what your coach, your fellow coaches uh, will tell you. I mean, you know, I mean, they may see things that you may not. And, um, and that's up and then that's up to you to make the decision whether to utilize this or that. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think that balance is huge, but that takes kind of takes care of itself. I think when you, you, you probably play on the personnel that you have. And right now the Miami's running game, their quarterback or, pretty much a solid part of, of their offense. Uh, they're still searching for the receiver. So you can't be balanced without having the playmaker outside. They've got a lot of slot kids. They've got a lot of promise at uh, tight end. Uh, but until, you know, I, I think what's going to happen is during the spring, we're going to find out a lot more. And, and that's why I say it's essential to get an offensive coordinator in yesterday because yeah. you got to start uh, learning your people. Uh, you've got to, you know, I mean, cause that's the way it, you, you got to come in the spring and hit spring 
in a harder way than any other coaches are because you're new to it. I mean, and you're new to the kids, the personnel, your fellow coaches, uh, because the, the deal is you're most likely going to be the only guy that's going to make be changed on the offense. They may pick another guy, but you have an offensive line coach who's been in place for a long time, a tight ends coach who's been here through the last couple of regimes. Um, they have a running back coach who a lot of people like and, and, and respect. So you're coming in as an offensive coordinator and you've got a lot to drink in. You've got to learn the kids. You've got to learn who can do what. And then you've got, and that's why I said that you've got to be receptive to what, uh, you know, if, if Steven Fields comes in and says, Hey coach, you know, uh, this guy has done this and this guy has done that. And I, you know, while I was recruiting him, I watched him do that. So you got to be receptive to that, especially year one. And then when you get things going, then you could pretty much make more of your decisions. But I think it's got to be pretty much a committee type of thing. You know, you come in there with a lot of, because if you don't know your, your personnel, uh, how are you going to use them? So, I mean, uh, but, uh, but, to answer your question in a straighter uh, form, uh, yeah, I think that uh, he is looking for a balanced offensive coordinator. One of the reasons why I was excited to bring in your fresh perspective, because so much has changed since the last time I had you on, right? The job wasn't open the last time that I spoke to Larry <laughs> Bluestein on the show. And since that time, uh, you know, in all the episodes we've done since Friday, you know, I've, I've been throwing out probably the same seven or eight names pretty consistently. But you and I were talking off air before we started the show, and you brought up a name that I haven't mentioned yet this past, uh, you know, four or five days, and that's Jeff Scott, former head coach at uh, USF. Uh, do you believe Jeff Scott could be a good candidate or should be a good candidate for this offensive coordinator job? Most definitely. Um, here's a guy. Look at Clemson over the years. He's the guy that orchestrated all of the, uh, you know, all those high-powered offenses. Uh, you look at the quarterbacks that he had under yeah. his tutelage in in the time at Clemson. You know, go, going back to Taj Boyd and obviously, uh, you know, some of the top guys over the last couple of years. Two number one draft picks. Um, you know, you know, in that time and plus his time as a young guy, uh, learning and drinking in things. His dad was a coach at FSU and he. He had an opportunity to be in a room, you know, with Bob, the great Bobby Bowden. And, and, and uh, he learned so much. I definitely think he would be a tremendous fit, uh, you know, uh, and, and people bring up what happened at USF. He was thrown into the position at a tough time uh, during the pandemic. So he really didn't get an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to start, you know, from a running start. He had to kind of dig his way out. F- uh, USF is not the most des- desirable place because they're just not a, you know, they're not a power five school. So then you can't go up against the Miamis and now the UCS, which were their uh, arch rivals, uh, you know, it, you know, with a fair, with a fair amount of credibility, you know, I mean, without having the stretch thing. So I think he really would be the one guy that I would go with because of the fact that I think he and Mario are, are on the same page as far as work ethic. And, uh, you know, I, I and I've known, got to know Jeff over the last couple of years while he was there more so than I knew him before, you know, because he used to recruit uh, Florida and I used to run into him when he was at Clemson. Um, but to me, he seems like a, you know, not to rule out anybody else. I know Scott Frost's name has been bantered, uh, you know, in that also Marcus Arroyo, who 
I coached with him at Oregon and he was in the same situation at UNLV because I, you know, haven't gone there. I kind of watched that situation pretty closely. He was another one that was thrown into the wolves at a, at a time when the, the pandemic was around and you and also really... like, I, I didn't watch UNLV the way that you did being an alum, but it, it, it seemed like, you know, obviously they weren't good from a win loss standpoint, but it seemed like they were getting a little better every year. So it looked yeah. like his, the trajectory while Arroyo was there was, was going steadily upward. No doubt. I mean, and, and you could see this year, even when they played Notre Dame, I mean, they, they, they uh, you know, they went out there, they punched back, they, you know, uh, scored on long runs. They did a lot of good things. And, you know, his, his big thing is he, when he inherited uh, what coach Sanchez had done for five years there, it really, they, they had like one double A type of kids. They didn't have, you know, cause there's a, a feeling, especially out West that you rely on the second and third level California kids. When we know the second level Florida kids would die to go out and, and be in a situation like that. And they have, uh, but yeah, no, I like him. Uh, I like uh, Arroyo. I know that he and Mar uh, Mario got along. Mario was his biggest advocate when he was going for the UNLV job and, and, uh, but, you know, and then, and then there's good and bad with Scott Frost. Uh, you know, Scott is another guy who obviously uh, knows offenses, has always been an open-minded guy. And I got a lot of uh, real big chance to, you know, know him over a couple of years from going to their camps and sitting down with him and Turner Gill, who, you know, another Nebraska quarterback who came and, you know, helped him out a little bit. Uh, obviously there's a couple of guys right there that, that, that kind of pegged the meter, uh, you know, as far as that there's other guys, obviously, uh, you know, who have been in the mix, but um, those are three guys that jumped out, out at me because of the work ethic, and you've got to work. I mean, people don't yeah. realize that if Mario Cristobal's in the office at 445 in the morning, your butt better be right there or on their way. And not and, to mention, and, and whoever, whoever gets this coordinator job is likely going to be a position coach, either at quarterbacks coach or wide yeah. receivers coach, in addition to being the OC. Yeah, well, yeah. And that saves a few bucks, too. So, uh, sure. you know, yeah, I know. I But the reason, I mean, and there's, like I said, there's other guys out there, obviously there's, you know, we we've talked about quite a few of them over the last, you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, but I think when you take a look at, you know, coaches like that, um, I think that you're looking at people who are, who are progressive and people who could elevate the team. And that's what Mario Cristobal and that's what this offense really needs. Somebody to elevate this program and, 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 and be able to think out of the box, obviously. So we have a lot more coming up on this episode. We're only getting started here on locked on canes because the schedule did drop. Uh, not only Miami's game schedule for next year, we also know when the spring football game is going to take place. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Plus, Folks, uh, tomorrow is National Signing Day. Is it going to be a very quiet NSD for Miami, or could there be some surprises in store? No one better to tell me about that than Larry Bluestein. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. No better place to go, my friends, for all the odds, info, and action than FanDuel. Folks, make this your spot, okay? We're really excited about our new sports betting partner. 
for Locked On because, hey, they are the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown. Yeah, those props are great. So, guys, I'm looking at Philadelphia minus one and a half. I'm tempted to lock in Philly, but I'm going to wait to see if the line moves. I'm going to wait till all the information comes out game week, but it's going to be a big week next week. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make sure every moment becomes more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. Guys, I want to remind you that Locked On is out at the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing. All in one location, subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday. That's today, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We're back here on Locked On Canes talking with Larry Bluestein. So, you know, Blue, uh, heading into National Signing Day, from what I can tell, like the only big fish that Miami are still after, uh, five-star athlete Nicholas Harbor, who you know wants to play receiver or tight end at the next level. I, I think it's probably going to be South Carolina or Oregon there for him. And uh, Jamel Howard, a three-star defensive tackle, who I know Miami would love to have, but he's a Chicago area kid, and it sounds like he and his family want him to be a little bit closer to home. So I'm thinking the Big Ten there. So I'm not expecting Miami to land either of these guys. Hopefully they surprise me pleasantly tomorrow, but I don't see a whole lot of other names on the radar, Blue. Do you think it's going to be a very quiet National Signing Day with Miami having done most of their work in the early signing period in December? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's going to be uh, – and, and it's uh, on our radio show we had um, – uh, representatives from Florida, Florida State, uh, obviously Miami, USF, UCF. And the one thing that we found out is that Wednesday's going to kind of come and go. I mean, uh, wow. you know, FSU may add one. Uh, Florida already uh, got a commitment yesterday uh, or, uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, uh, so I, it is because I think the remainder of the roster of basically all the teams, especially Miami, will be dictated by some of the guys who are in the transfer portal. And, 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 you know, and certainly they have the players on campus that they're going in the spring with, and then they'll see coming out of spring because there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be still out there. Uh, yeah. You know, after spring, they could always pick up a few more bodies like they did last year uh, to kind of enhance. And, um, and I think that, a lot of the players, too, will see, you know what, I saw the Miami spring game and they need this. And I think I could come in there and before you know it, that's that's how it's going to be. I kind of miss the the uh, the early February 1st, you know, the first week of February national signing days because there was great parties and there was a lot of anticipation. And we kind of get cheated out of that because now the, the December 20th day is coming right after the state championships, right before Christmas. And you don't get as much hoopla as you used to in the buildup. But uh, 
the only reason they probably won't go back to a full uh, first week of February signing is because a lot of these kids uh, want to get one early. And uh, so, and that's what happened in a lot of cases uh, that if you look at rosters, especially Miami, they have a lot of kids who um, signed, uh, you know, in December that are already on campus. So I think it was uh, like 19, 20 of them already out of of 24, 25, they're already on campus. Yeah. Uh, And the only, the only players don't ever get an opportunity to get on are the private school kids. So, uh, you know, so now what, what you do is you try to sew up a little bit of the 23 and then you look at 2024 uh, and then set the table for 2025. And, uh, but that's what this next couple of weeks is going to be about. Yeah. I'd like to see them get Nick Harbor, but uh, the the thing about him is he's a world-class sprinter. As big as he is. Um, and so I think that's also on his mind. Not to say Miami doesn't have an outstanding track program. And and uh, because, you know, of the fact that, I mean, you're looking at somebody like T. Martin's son is coming to Miami to play baseball. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, you never know. You never know in a situation. But I think it's going to be really quiet. Well, and also, like, with Harbor, um, how much harder do you think it is to get a commitment from him when you currently – don't have an OC or a wide receivers coach. I mean, yeah. so I, I don't know. It just it, it seems like it's kind of harder to close the deal from where I sit. hundred percent. You know, I mean, but you, like you said, stranger things have happened. Um, I would send Mario Cristobal into a, a 12th hour deal before anybody else. So you and never know. Loafers. You know, yeah. I mean, he's a closer. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's better than, uh, he's better than uh, Lee Smith when it comes to closing. I like it. So I, I did want to ask you, uh, you know, Miami gets a new preferred walk on and they've been adding a lot of those lately. So l- l- let me give this young man his welcome to the U. Patrick Steepleton, wide receiver from Cardinal Gibbons. Welcome to the U. Local high school young man, Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, you've watched this player, I'm sure, in person. I didn't realize until you told me that Steepleton, uh, he's a former quarterback converted yeah. to wide receiver. What are your thoughts? I like him. Got some speed. Uh, Big-time kid. Uh, you know, I mean, here's a guy that uh, a lot of people never even watched because they didn't ever figure that he was going to, you know, go to Miami or a school like that. But great family, great support. He was well-coached uh, in high school. Uh, had an opportunity to watch him several times. Uh, you know, you watch him, and he got open all the time. And he had tremendous hands. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the guys that, uh, you know, who come to the next level, uh, like a lad McConkey, you know, that type of guy that a lot of people didn't really look at him at Georgia until he got there and started producing. And, you know, as well as I, I do, Alex is I, I'm all about production. I, you know, you could take that hype when you could take about the promise and this guy's six, four, two twenty, and throw it out the window because at the end of the day, if he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, what good is he? And somebody like Steepleton will come in there and he'll start turning some heads. And he may force a lot of these kids to, you know, turn up their game a lot better to know that here's a guy who's basically paying for his education (laughs) that is going to, that is posing some threat to you. All right. So when we come back, the schedule is out and it's like a tale of two schedules, right? Miami may start off incredibly hot for the first five games this coming season. And then eh, things get a little bit tougher down the stretch. So we always love a good schedule release and we'll have it for you right here on locked on canes. 
Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, you know, not only do we have the the actual 2023 fall schedule, we also do have the, uh, the spring football schedule came out. Now, the practices are not open to the public, but the spring game, April 14th, at Drive Pink Stadium, formerly Lockhart Stadium, will be open. And, Blue, uh, you know this better than I do, or at least as well as I do, because I've been out to a handful of spring games. You probably haven't missed one in, you know, God knows how many Hmm. years. Uh, The spring games are always a good time. And, you know, Drive Pink Stadium's a good venue. And if you're someone, you know, based a little bit farther north, like if you're a North Broward person who doesn't get down to Hard Rock very often or – one of these Palm Beach Canes fans. I know there's a lot of you out there. It's probably a little bit easier to get down to uh, to Drive Pink Stadium, and I, I'm expecting a good time at that spring game, April 14th. Yeah, I was there last year, and obviously there was a lot more anticipation because of the fact that here's Mario Cristobal, the prodigal prodigal son, returning. Yeah, and um, and he put on a show last year. Last year, I remember watching him uh, go into each of the ends, you know, into the end zone, and you know, and to greet the student body and. And that's what that's all about. I mean, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a trend, tremendous venue. Um, we've had an opportunity to watch 12 football games there over the last couple of years in the state championship. Um, and last year, um, I, I actually sent uh, sat next to Joaquin Gonzalez's brother oh, nice. uh, during during the during the game, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be on a Friday uh, evening, which will be cooler, and it'll be an opportunity for a lot of the kids to, you know, the, I'm sure they're going to have a load of recruits there. And as you mentioned, uh, it's right off of 95, so these yeah. kids can come down from uh, Port St. Lucie or, you know, areas that, you know, normally wouldn't get an opportunity to watch University of Miami football. I mean, what's going to be going on on a Friday night? Probably nothing on, a, you know, on April 14th. So I think it's great. I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, I like having it there. Um, it, it, and like you said, it kind of moves the fan base a little bit. Having it down at the University of Miami kind of pigeonholes you, uh, holds you to getting kid, people from South Miami, maybe just Southern Broward. But now you have a, you know, people may even like come over from Fort Myers, and they may come down for Tampa because, you know, it's an opportunity for them to to see. You know, I know that Miami won't reveal a whole lot, but you'll get a chance to see some of the new faces, which are going to be great. So the, uh, the 2023 football schedule is officially out. Let me give you guys the, the order of the games and the dates because that's what we didn't have. Like We knew the opponents. We just didn't know the exact order of when these games would happen. Uh, and, you know, Blue, Miami definitely has an opportunity to start the season 5-0 and or 4-1 and with the way right. this shakes out. You know, you open up at home. Now, I don't take any win as automatic because <laughs> – we lost to Middle Tennessee last year, yeah. so I don't take any win for automatic. Uh, but you open up against Miami of Ohio, who, you know, basically uh, their offense was even worse than Miami of Florida's offense last year. Uh, then you play home against Texas A&M, which is always going to be a tricky game. You know, A&M obviously has uh, a ton of players have left that program since last year. Home against Bethune-Cookman. No Ed Reed on the sidelines, unfortunately. The way that that all transpired is unfortunate. So your first three games are at home against, uh, you know, some beatable opponents. Then you go at Temple, which should be a beatable opponent, home against Georgia Tech, which was probably Miami's most complete performance last year was their victory against Georgia Tech. So hopefully they can replicate that. And then it gets a lot tougher, Blue, after those first five games, because then you're at North Carolina. Mac Brown has been our daddy the last couple of years, sadly. 
uh, home against Clemson. I'm expecting Clemson to be even better this coming year, and they made a, a great hire, uh, Garrett Riley, for their offensive coordinator. Uh, home against Virginia, which hopefully is a, a, a winnable game. At North Carolina State, Brennan Armstrong now the quarterback there. At Florida State, you know, they've got all the preseason hype and they got Jordan Travis and Johnny Wilson and their their fans show up in our comments every day about how they're just going to absolutely destroy us. I hear from Florida State fans constantly. Home against Louisville and then at Boston College, which will hopefully be a winnable game to end the year. So um, it's obviously it is what it is. It's not it's not an easy schedule. Remember, no more divisions this year. So it's just the top two teams from the ACC, yeah. which, in my opinion, blue, that makes it harder to make the ACC championship game because on paper, you know, the top two teams should be Clemson and Florida State, who used to be in the same division. Now, you know, if they end up with the top two records, they're going to be the teams in the championship game. But definitely the, the first half of the schedule, pretty soft compared to the second half. No doubt. Um, ironically, I was at the last game that Miami uh, played Miami of Ohio. I think it was 1987. Uh, wow. They, they crushed them. It was 54 to three. And now those are back. Well, either way, where, Miami was going to win that game either way. Yeah. Miami was winning neither way you looked at it. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I said for some crazy reason, that thing is hung into my head all those years. And I think I still got the game program from that game. And uh, wow. yeah, how, how ironic, but uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, you, you have Miami of Ohio and you know, I mean, they should, um, A&M is going to be a challenge still, you know, big team promising team underachieved so greatly last year. So there's a lot of pressure on uh, the highest paid guy in the land uh, to, to, to win games. Bethune Cookman is right now spinning all over the darn place. It was, oh. looked like a pretty good attractive, you know, meeting to have Ed, Ed Reed as the head coach, but that's not happening. Um, uh, then Temple, yeah, but a trip. You know, I'm like I'm saying right, any, right now, like you said, Middle Tennessee State last year, you don't take anything for granted. Um, but Temple shouldn't really be in that. But then and then after the Georgia Tech game, it gets a little dicey because I still think North Carolina, you had mentioned um, uh, Florida State being basically a runner up to Clemson. I think North Carolina still got yeah. the goods. Drake got May probably undoubtedly the best quarterback in the country. And uh, wow. somebody who gave everybody fits last year. Uh, they're at home at, uh, at uh, Keenan stadium, which is not an easy place to play. Miami notoriously hasn't done very well. And then you come back home against Clemson, which is no slam dunk. Uh, you know, they they show that they have a really, really good football program. They've reloaded in a lot of ways. Things lighten a little bit against Virginia, a team that you should win. But then I look at the last four games and you have North Carolina State who have always been tough. I mean, you know, as far as I mean, and, and you have them at Carter Finley, which is another place that not easy. If you remember a couple of years ago, Miami played there and one like 36 35 or 40 you know one one point game so that's not a gimme florida state obviously miami was embarrassed just totally embarrassed this last year at home they want some measure but still as you said uh coach mike norville's done a tremendous job with the seminoles Louisville's not going to be a break either. I think what they've done, you know, adding uh, Coach Brom, and he he signed uh, undoubtedly one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and, and Clarkson, whose dad is a guru at quarterbacks. Plus, they added uh, quite a few kids, and then you go to Boston College. 
which on the surface you say, well, we should win that. But again, Chestnut Hill, uh, you know, I, I right after Thanksgiving, um, and and it's you know it's not it's a Friday game. Um, should be interesting because Miami, like I said, they they don't usually play well, uh, you know, in that, you know, in that, um, in that place. But, um, there's a couple of really, like you said, they could go four and one, five and oh, off the, off the start, but they've got at least win, come away one and one against Clemson and North Carolina. And and they've got to, to. And I, I mean, to have any hope yeah. for a nine, 10 win season. And then the last three out of four, they they've got to win at least three out of those last four, and then you're talking about a uh, nine win season and uh, something that I'm, I'm sure fans would take. I just want them to get to a, get to a bowl game because yeah. I looked at the I looked at the junk that was in bowl games this year, and you figure yourself, how did Miami not go to a game? I mean, you've got teams like Rice and, and programs like that, Eastern Michigan, and how can Miami not be in a bowl? So yeah. to me. In, in this, you know, in, in taking strides for the future, bowl game first, um, improve yourself and set the table for 24. I, I, I would like to see them win, win nine games. It could be tough, but I mean, uh, you know, I, but, but as a hurricane fan, you would like them, you know, to, to, to go in there and say, okay, they're going to win nine or 10 games. But we learned last year when yeah, we were picking them to win Ooh. 10 and 11 games, that it's not so automatic. You have to have the personnel. And, you know, uh, on our Six Ring Canes uh, podcast, we talked about the very thing. And you, you also have to remember this, Alex. Even though Miami's upgraded and great coaching staff, tremendous personnel coming in, a lot of good transfers, great freshman class, the other teams in the ACC aren't sitting on their hands. I mean, they're doing the same thing. North Carolina's bringing marquee kids. Um, so, uh, you know, we, I, I, it's, a, it's a take it at each week as they come, uh, see how people respond. But I, I, I really, I'm, I'm optimistic that a lot of the kids who are veterans are going to step it up a little bit. And, and there's, there was a lack of leadership last year and by getting a couple of older players in there i think that that could be remedied and blue said it about learning lessons um i am a recovering preseason hype addict <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make any win-loss predictions until we're like most of the way through fall camp like i'm just because and i know i know everybody's doing it for clicks like every other show out there oh, is yeah. like, oh god i see nine wins i oh, see yeah I did that last year, Blue. I predicted, I think, nine regular season wins and 10 with a bowl game, and I look like a buffoon. So why why would I do that to myself again, at least not until August? Like, you guys are not going to get anything out of me until <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, you guys are not going to get anything out of me in terms of a win-loss prediction until August. I'm going to marinate on this until then. I want to see how spring football goes and fall camp goes, and I want to wait till the transfer portal. It's going to reopen and close again in May. I'm waiting for all of that. And I, I'm always in the gratitude here of Larry Bluestein, who does a tremendous, tremendous job. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Larry Bluestein and Blue. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, Alex. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Locked On Canes. And make sure for your second listen, you you've listened to Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you next time on another Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.